Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. On today's episode, A Year on Mars. The good and the bad of leaving home for life on the red planet. Hazel sent us some ideas about what they would pack for a year on Mars. I would take my mom uh, because she's a good knitter and she could knit me a blanket and, or a hat. I would bring seeds. We could plant food. I would bring my sister because, because she plays with me and if nobody's there to play with me you'd probably get bored and just go home and i would also love to bring my house because why would you want to live in this like rover space tech thing i would love to just live in my house there man thinking about packing for a week-long trip is hard enough i have no idea what i would take for a year on mars definitely at least seven pairs of underpants <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And probably lots of those fig bars you can get at Costco. I love those. Yeah, yeah. it will be a long, long time before there's a Costco on Mars. But <laughs> despite the lack of Costco, which we need for survival, NASA plans to send the first human crew to live on the planet in 2030. Right now, scientists are hard at work figuring out how to prepare for a trip. And Shayna Gifford is one of them. Basically, all you needed were a few changes of clothes, some shoes, a lot of shoes, and, you know, a few personal toiletries, but that's about it. I mean, Mars comes equipped with everything else you need. Shayna is a physician and a journalist, and she spent a year in a Mars simulation. What does that mean? She pretended to live on Mars for a full year with five other people. And every day, they dealt with the challenges of living on Mars. Isolation, limited food supplies, spacesuits, and some things you wouldn't expect. Even though you're in space, you can't see space in the dome. So ironically, the only way to see stars in space is to project them on the ceiling. If you're planning on spending a year on Mars, expect to spend a lot of time inside. I'm guessing that's because going outside takes a lot of effort and the air might turn you into a toxic mutant. Not the mutant part, but yeah, there's not enough oxygen to breathe, the planet's full of radiation, and the weather is extreme to say the least. So taking a stroll is hard to do, even if you're just pretending. Well, when you go to put in a spacesuit, you have to figure out how to negotiate this thing with really big pants and really big shoulders and a really big helmet. Usually you'd step into it first and pull it up to your waist and get your waist strapped in. And then you would pull it up over your shoulders, down over your head, and then turn the fans on to make sure they were working because you need to have air circulating in your space so you'll actually suffocate. So you turn your fans on, they and then you check your radio and then you seal yourself in. And then you stand in the airlock for five minutes while the dome atmosphere is sucked out and the Martian atmosphere is pushed in. And then once those five minutes have passed, you can go outside and do your work. So that sounds really uncomfortable, like worse than the summers in Texas. I mean, except the really bad ones. Remind me, why do we want to live on Mars again? 
Despite how intense it is, scientists believe that for humans, Mars is the best place to try to live off Earth. But what about the moon? I mean, we've gotten there, and uh, it seems like a nice place. They have some good cafes, a few shops. A flag. A flag. (laughs) (laughs) Mars is so much further away. The moon is close, but it has a lot of issues. Not a lot of good radiation shielding. Not a lot of gravity, only one-sixth gravity. So things bounce really high, which is fun, but may not be a great place for us to live long term. Uh, Being able to jump around really high actually sounds like it'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. The lack of gravity is great for bouncing, but it's bad for our bones and muscles. Mars has more gravity than the moon because it's bigger. Mars, on the other hand, has as much land as all of the whole Earth. If you pile all the continents together, Mars has that much land. It also has a tilt, just like we do, so it has seasons. It has a day almost as long as ours. And it's also a really neat landscape. It has big caves that would be good to build in. We could build whole cities down there. So Mars is like kind of a fixer-upper. Exactly. And as far as the Milky Way goes, it's one of the better options to invest in real estate these days. (laughs) Just needs a little paint and maybe a way to shield from the deadly radiation and the crazy weather. I mean, you're going to have issues no matter where you buy these days. (laughs) But realistically, we won't be colonizing Mars for a long, long time. So where do you go to pretend you're on Mars? Sim Mars, as they call it, is on the largest volcano in the world. You're talking about Mauna Loa in Hawaii? Exactly. Mars is a volcanic environment, and Sim Mars looks an awful lot like actual Mars. So that was enough to convince them that they were on real Mars? It was actually pretty convincing. They were isolated on this volcano that's covered in red and black jagged volcanic rock, and every time they went outside, they had to wear that heavy spacesuit. Any communication with people outside had a 20-minute delay on it, just like it would be on Mars. Still, they must have realized they were still on Earth. So we are not on Mars, obviously. Um, The sky is blue. The sky is not blue on Mars. There are clouds. There is rain. There is too much gravity. There are many indicators that you are not on Mars. There are in-between worlds. So you're not on Mars, but you're not on Earth either. You're in Sim. So all the living conditions were designed to match a real future Mars mission. The team was mostly confined to their solar-powered dome. They were even tested with real Mars emergencies and possible Mars problems. Imagine waking up early and the first thing you wonder is, do we have any power? So you have to check the power systems. If you don't have very much power, then you can't turn the lights on. You can't make yourself any food or any hot water. That sounds really hard. You basically become a scientist farmer on a good day. And then on a bad day, you're a plumber, electrician, sewage repair person. It's not glamorous a lot of the time. Clearly living on Mars is a lot of work, but what do you get to do for fun? Crew members read, they write, they play games, but they also get to explore Mars. Oh, well that's pretty cool. Do you bring a soccer ball? Sometimes we'd be going outside to clean the windows. Sometimes we'd be going outside to collect rocks for an experiment or to take measurements. Sometimes we'd be going outside to play, to go on long walks or explore caves. Sometimes at night, I would often go outside to take photographs. Well, that sounds cool. Everything Shayna and the other astronauts did on simulated Mars was monitored with cameras and body movement trackers. 
so that they could prepare their reality show, The Real World, Mars. <laughs> I know, I can't believe MTV hasn't done this yet. <laughs> no, back on Earth, other NASA scientists were studying how the group was dealing with the stress of living and working together in such a small place. They were trying to find out what happens when people stop being polite and start being real. <laughs> I know, Shana did describe it as kind of a reality show, but only NASA and researchers from the University of Hawaii were watching them. So either way, it seems like they're a little bit more lab rat than they are scientists. They are data. So that's what an astronaut is. They exercise when they're told to, they eat when they're told to, they sleep when they're told to. They do the experiments they're told to do. They are the science. That's what you are when you're an astronaut. You are science. NASA has now done four Mars simulations, and they plan on doing many more. Each time, they have a different team, and they're getting new and different data. They're trying to establish a pattern of human behavior. Of course, here's the interesting thing. No two crews are alike. The reason they have to keep iterating the experiment or doing it over and over is because they're looking for a pattern that sustains even when the crews change. So what kind of pattern? A pattern to human psychology. Everyone gets sad or mad or whatever at some point, but no two people feel the same way. Shana said that is why people and not planets are the biggest X factor in space travel. I never really thought about an astronaut getting sad or mad. I just think of them as being like extremely well put together. Well, more than anything, they're humans. They're facing big challenges, stressful times, and they're with a small group of people in an enclosed space for a really long time. And that's the whole point of why NASA runs these experiments. It's not just fun to play pretend. Though that's surely part of it. They were looking at how well the group sticks together, works together, and gets along in that one year time when they only have each other. So it's like a never ending car trip. At some point, everyone will start to annoy you and put their feet on your side. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Jenkins put her feet on my side of the spaceship again. Tell her to stop touching me. <laughs> Do I have to turn this ship around? We're halfway to Mars. It'll take us a year to get back. I know. On a road trip, on a regular road trip, you can pull over and get ice cream to calm everyone down. But in space, you have to keep working together as a strong team. And there's a limited amount of ice cream. People who don't get along don't accomplish much together. They don't do school projects well together. They don't play baseball teams well together. They don't sit down and have dinner very well together. So it's important that people get along in all circumstances. But in space, there's no one else to help you. You can't just walk out and say, you know what, I'm tired of being here. I don't want to talk to you anymore. We're done. There's nowhere else to go, and there's nowhere for them to go. So the more we talk about this, the more difficult life on Mars, I mean simulated Mars, sounds. So why did Shayna sign up for this? Shayna says that she was as excited to go to Sim Mars as other people are to go to Disneyland. Ever since I was a kid, ever since I can remember, I've loved space and I thought that space was amazing. I was pursuing the dream of a lifetime. So that's not giving anything up, quite the opposite. This is about 
your future and your ability to go do whatever you want, to live in space, to visit space, to go and come back or go and stay. Marshall, if we were to go live on Mars together, how do you think we'll do? <laughs> I mean, not well, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's hard enough for us to just like keep the dishes clean. <laughs> yes. Thanks to Dr. Shana Gifford. Thanks also to Caleb and Hazel. Sarah Lentz is our associate producer, and she wrote this show. I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I made all the music. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I produce this show. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time for more stories of science discovery. Mm-hmm.